Good morning, everyone. Friends, our first reading comes from the book of Sirach, also known as the Wisdom of Ben Sirach, uh, in some of the translations of Bibles. And uh, um, Ben Sirach, uh, his name is, uh, is what it been was uh, Yeshua, which means Jesus. Isn't that interesting? That that was the, his original name. But uh, we know him, uh, Ben Sarah is a sage of Jerusalem. It means he's a man of wisdom. And uh, he is a teacher of his time. And he, the piece that we're getting uh, today, uh, he is speaking to his students. And he's talking to them about humbleness and humility, saying humility is a great path to be on. And he said he would warn them also, be careful of the wisdom of the Greeks. Now, that's because that's what was, they were in that time. And he said their, their philosophies and stuff cannot lead you to holiness. And um, uh, today we hear this uh, phrase, uh, everyone needs to speak their truth, their truth, their truth. Ben Sarah would say, humbleness will allow you to know your truth. Meaning not only what you can do, but what you cannot do. And it is this humbleness uh, that will aid you. He's, he would warn them that uh, pride and uh, other things would lead them astray. And my friends, our second reading, um, it compares two covenants that I think it's important to speak about quickly. Uh, the first covenant is that of Moses, and the second covenant is that of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, with Moses, Moses is the giver of the law. He brought the law from God. And when he did, people were afraid. They were afraid of the law, and they were afraid of punishment. And um, Jesus, meaning the covenant that Moses brings, the covenant that Jesus brings is different. Uh, Jesus sanctifies the people who would believe in him, and he would give them access to God now in a very different way. And um, he would teach them to not be afraid of God. Now, Moses was a mediator in his time, and Jesus is our mediator for all time. And my friends, uh, even though uh, Jesus comes and his blood sanctifies us and he tells you not to be afraid, uh, Paul will go on in that chapter to tell you, however, for those uh, who do not heed the voice of Jesus Christ, that is a greater sin than those who rejected the word of Moses. And he would say, ultimately, there will be a time of judgment. But he reminds us that God is our Father and that he loves us. And my friends, uh, in that same Hebrew uh, reading from today, uh, he speaks about the assembly of the firstborn. That is uh, strict, that is very classically understood as the angels, but also as saints as we know it. Uh, particularly of the Old Testament, which we would call the patriarchs and matriarchs of the Old Testament. He is telling them they are in heaven. And then he went on to talk about uh, the blood of Abel. And if you have forgotten, Abel is the first human person to be murdered. And he is done, he is murdered by his brother. The blood, you can go and read this, it's in the scriptures. His blood poured out onto the ground, and from the ground it cried out to God. And all this is, this is amazing stuff. You need to kind of learn what all this really means. 
But his blood, Abel's blood, cried out to God for vengeance. And here, St. Paul is comparing the blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled out upon us to sanctify us. And Jesus' blood does not call for vengeance, but for forgiveness, for righteousness. And his has the power to do this for you. So the comparison is incredible, what he's doing. And um, the blood of Jesus sanctifies us and gives us access to the Father. And for those who will walk in holiness and believe in him, this is done then. And uh, this is, there's a whole lot going on in that reading. So my friends, now this brings me to our gospel. Our gospel shows us this paradoxical aspect of holiness, which holiness is one of the themes. I've been here eight years, so you know this is one of the things that Father talks about. Uh, but it, this reading today, and when I'm praying over it, it has made me shift in some of my thoughts about this. And uh, when we look at the reading initially, I don't think people see these aspects that Jesus is talking about holiness and discipleship. And um, Jesus is saying in order to rise to that holiness, we must first be humbled or humble ourselves in order to walk the road that ascends to his Father. And what Jesus says is you must put yourselves last, choosing to be a servant instead. And this teaching of Jesus is reassuring, but it also is very challenging. Um, it is a consolation that we need not pursue extraordinary paths. And one of the examples I've been putting forth is like people who, for example, say, I'm going to Mount Everest, I'm going to climb it, and then they get a whole adrenaline fix. The thing about what Jesus is talking about is you don't have to do that. You can if you want. It may not get you to heaven, but you don't have to do that. And um, what he said instead, he goes, I'm going to show you the simple way to my Father. And it is the humble path. And what's really great is, uh, unlike, I, have not, I, I don't have any aspirations to go to Mount Everest, but, um, um, but I couldn't do it physically anyway. But Jesus is saying, the path of humbleness is available to everyone, no matter how strong or weak you are. This path is available to you, and it is possible for everyone. But this teaching of Jesus is also very demanding because he would tell us that the human heart has a tendency to be very selfish, to be very arrogant, to be prideful, which makes it difficult to want to walk in humbleness. More often, we usually try to obtain the position that is a bit higher than perhaps we actually should have. And uh, Jesus notes with precision the attitudes of the people invited to the wedding. He uses the wedding banquet. Now, my friends, I want to go very quickly. Our lectionary takes a whole piece that's missing uh, from that chapter, Luke 1. And before Jesus enters the dining room, he is in, if you will, the hallway of the house, and he heals somebody, and they condemn him for healing the person because it's the Sabbath. So this is... Uh, that's what's missing from here, but that's a whole different homily, I suppose. Uh, but I want you to understand the, the context. And, uh, and he, so he proposes, Jesus proposes some very common sense things to us. He says, if you take the superior position that's held for someone who has great honor and dignity, uh, one maybe that you should not be in, he said, you're going to be humiliated. 
they're going to ask you to move. Could you move down to the end of the table? Now, today, uh, that would be, uh, well, I don't know how you would translate that uh, into today's. Uh, um, but he said, but if you take the inferior place, if you go sit at the smaller table, then you'll be exalted. That example would be today at a wedding for me to go sit at the table with the children. <laughs> Father, we saved you a spot with the children, <laughs> at the children's table. And when I get there, <laughs> they will be exalted because, look, we got Father Mark. <laughs> and I won't feel so terrible about that, huh? So you, you see, Jesus is using some very common sense, very practical ways to look at this. It is hard for most of us to spontaneously take the lowest place because nowadays there is a very inordinate sense of entitlement in this world. And that gets in the way. It gets in the way um, of this path that Jesus is talking about. So, my friends, Jesus' is teaching is demanding, but it helps us to see that it is simple. And uh, he says, my way and if you do what I tell you to do and walk in the ways I tell you, you're going to have a peace that this world cannot give you and that no matter what happens, this peace will be yours. And my friends, Jesus never pushes us to fulfill extravagant endeavors, not even with holiness. And this is where the G Jesus has been now working with me to understand it because I talk a lot about holiness and I have an approach to it. And now I come to realize that each one of us, you and I, are called to holiness, but the holiness that belongs to us. And I don't have to be, I don't have to be like Mother Teresa. That's a hard example, right? I mean, if you say, Father, did you tell me I have to be like Mother Teresa? I ain't gonna, well, that's how, the standard I held for myself. But I don't have to be like St. Paul. St. Paul, there's already a St. Paul. I just have to be ultimately one day St. Mark <laughs> of Gig Harbor. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the, like, you know, like our saints. I mean, uh, this is for me a change in perspective because Jesus is not saying, I need you to be Francis of Assisi. I need you to be Mark of Gig Harbor. That is attainable. That is reachable. And in order to do this, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how you do this. You need to walk with God. And I'm going to, in the coming weeks, talk about how you and I walk with God and how we walk in humbleness. And Jesus, I believe, when he says uh, to be humble, he is quoting an Old Testament prophet, Micah. Micah 6, 8. Go and see what it says. In there, we would come to recognize what we are capable of and what we are not capable of and how we fail to hear God's voice about such things. The great thing that Jesus also does is Jesus invites us not to be discouraged ever, but instead to praise his Father all the more for his goodness and mercy. This is the path to his Father. This is the path of discipleship. This is the path of holiness. My friends, I take these two examples that, of the scriptures these, if you will, visions. One vision exalts and corresponds to our calling to be, that comes from God, to be holy, immaculate, and without blemish, like the church, the beautiful bride whom Christ wishes to present in splendor to his Father. 
That is not wisdom of Father Mark. That is wisdom of St. Paul. You'll find it in Ephesians 5.25. So here, on the one hand, is the call to that holiness. The other one that the Scripture presents to us is a vision marked with humility and simplicity and trusting abandonment into the hands of Jesus who will deliver us to his Father. So my friends, we should be like young children because they do not seek out the first place at the table. They may seek out the, the biggest piece of cake, but they do not seek the place of honor. They are simply happy to have their parents look at them, give them a wink, and let them know that they are loved. We should be like them, knowing that the Father loves us. We live in an imperfect world. I am imperfect. We are all imperfect. But God loves you perfectly. And in that love, he will call you out of those things that are not good for you. We cannot walk in holiness and at the same time be in objective sin. So what parent would not call his child out of something that's troubling and may not be harmful? So the father does not want you there. So in his love, he'll continue to call you out of that. But the whole time, he loves and I think this is important. And if I have failed as your pastor to communicate this to you, then I am sorry. But I think I tell you God loves you all the time. I just need to fall on your hearts. My friends, all of this, as I prayed, I looked for examples of holiness. If I tell you, you need to be just like Jesus. <laughs> Can we have another example? Here's another example then. Mary of Nazareth. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, I recall her presence at Calvary. Mary of Nazareth, Jesus' mother, shared completely in the humiliation of her son. This world did everything they could to humiliate her son. And she shared that. As a parent, I know that if someone treats your child horribly, you feel it. So even though the scriptures don't tell me this, she is a mother. And what they did to her son, she uniquely feels also. And she accepted it with great... Remember who she is. She is the mother of Jesus Christ. She is the queen of heaven and earth. And this woman walked humbly in this world with joy and accepted the imperfections of this world. We should take note that when it was announced to her that she would become the mother of Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Lord and Savior, and many girls of her time were, had aspirations to be that. They were waiting for the Messiah, and they kept hoping, maybe my daughter, maybe my daughter. And then it comes to her by an angel that she will be this. And instead of going around gloating about it and, and putting herself before everyone else, her first words as recorded in scriptures is, let it be done to me, I am the slave of my Lord. I am the hand servant of my Lord. In this way, she was prepared then to enter into the passion of the servant of God, the suffering servant that Isaiah speaks about in 52, chapter 52. And I can guarantee you, not much is said about her after 
the death of Jesus, but what is recorded that on that afternoon, she was in the upper room with the boys. I call them the boys. Who are the boys? <laughs> the apostles. She is consoling them. She is trying to get them from a place of despair to a place of hope. And she's doing all of this with great joy. She is the example. She is one of the greatest disciples that ever walked this earth. And I think you can obtain to that. You can aspire. If you want to aspire to walk the way Jesus did and aspire to walk the way Mary did. The first reading, I think, also is in relation to Our Lady and more precisely in relation to the events that followed the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. I'm going to quote St. Paul from the Philippians. St. Paul said, I long to depart this life to be with my Lord. The scriptures don't say anything about Mary saying this, but I can assure you that it, as the mother of Jesus, she desired to be with her son. She longed to be with him. But she was obedient to God and stayed on this earth because of you. She stayed to help you. She stayed to help the boys, <laughs> the apostles. She was obedient. She stayed to help Mother Church. By her witness, by her love, by her compassion, by her humbleness, by her service, all steeped in joy and peace and hope, she changed also the world of her time. My friends, Our Lady renounced immediate participation in her son's glory in order to serve you. That is a great example of holiness. That is a great example of humbleness. Jesus made her our mother at Calvary when he said, Woman, behold your child. Speaking to John about John who represents us. Let us then thank the Lord for his example, for his love, and for his mercy. Let us thank the Lord for the example and the love and the humility of Mary of Nazareth, Jesus' mother. Let us as Mary who knew how to unite all these things. She knew how to make holiness work. She knew how to walk in humbleness, simplicity, and service. We hear this in the Magnificat that is attributed to her. Let us learn then to walk in holiness as she did, with God's grace. My friends, uh, um, when I returned, um, I had a couple emails um, regarding my homilies. <laughs> so, <laughs> the easiest way to go about this is, Father, on historical context, thumbs up. Father, on biblical context, thumbs up. Father, on theological context, thumbs up. Father, on practical application, thumbs down. <laughs> so I will begin to look at my homilies and see how I can make them more practical for you. Because if this helps you, then I must do it. And I hope you see this as a sign of humility and humbleness. I have no pride or arrogance around this. I'm not angry about it. I just need to adjust then and do what is necessary for the people. And uh, uh, hopefully I'll do this. 
Uh, it was funny. I thought, oh, no coincidence with God. Here's this whole thing about humbleness and humility, and I got those emails. <laughs> okay, all right. I will work on that. I, I will seek out those who I call masters of homilies to look and see how that they do this. How do they do this? How do they make it practical for, for the people? So I'll go about doing that. So my friends, on another note, uh, this is Deb Jopp, who is our music director. Well, we know her as a PA for music, but music director. This is her final Sunday with us, and I want uh, our community to recognize that, um, and we wish you the very best. And, and we wish you joy and peace in your next adventure. And because God is so good, within our own ranks, we have someone who has stepped up. Amy will become our new music director of PA Stand Up. She's been our cantor. She is our new music director. <laughs> so uh, God is good all the time. My friends, uh, the Archbishop has uh, made an announcement. He said that he is convocating a new class uh, to ordain guys to the diaconate. So uh, I asked our community to pray about this vocation for men who are 35 years or older, uh, who may feel that God is calling them, um, or if you feel maybe you're not so sure. Father Mark wasn't so sure. Uh, I didn't think God was calling me to be a priest. I'm like, how can I be a priest? I mean, that's crazy time. But God, for God, all things are possible. Look. <laughs> Look at this. Um, so if you think God is not calling you, he probably is, because that's how it worked with me. So pray about it, men. Uh, and now would be the time in the next week or two to come forward, speak to me, or call the Archdiocese directly. Let them know that you would like to take a look and see, are you being called to become a deacon? The diaconate process is about four years, uh, cultivating in a diaconate, and we need it. We need these vocations in the church. So I ask all the men of the parish who are in that category, why 35? If you are on the date of your ordination as a deacon, if you are married, you must remain that way. If you are single, you must remain that way. So this is why they have the, the age of 35. Most, at one time, most men were married by 35. Nowadays, not so much. So, but that's kind of the idea behind it. So let's pray for those vocations. God is good all the time. Amen. Please know of God's love for you. In that, all things are possible with him then. Amen.